morning, church. Let me start off by just giving a round of applause to our fourth and fifth graders. Today is our first family Sunday here at the new campus. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you guys are here. It's exciting. I remember when I was a younger guy in my elementary years, I remember it well because I was a very, very big boy. I was husky. I was a little bit overweight. I was big boned. And every year I dreaded a Christmas pageant, the Christmas play. Why? Because every year the teacher would choose me to play the role of Santa Claus. I didn't like it. And every year as the roles were being chosen, I'd say, please don't choose me. Please pass over me. But I always got chosen because of my physique. I also didn't like recess much because you guys probably remember this. We'd line up in recess to make teams. We'd all line up, and there were always those two captains, the better players. And I was never the better player. And so they went down, I choose you, I choose you. I was like, please pick me, don't pass over me, pick me. And I would never get chosen but to the very end. But there's some things in life still that we don't like to be chosen for. There's some things that we want to get passed over. Things as being chosen for jury duty. I know it's our civil duty. But let's be honest, at least for me, when I get that card, I was like, oh, what excuse can I make? What can I do? Is there a pastor excuse? No, there's not. Chores, right, kids? We don't like to be chosen to do chores. Please pass over me. I know for a lot of us, praying out loud is something that we're not very comfortable with. I remember the first small group I was part of and the leader said okay we're gonna pray and I'm gonna choose someone to pray eye contact don't choose me please 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 because we're not comfortable praying out loud some of us but let me ask you what about when it comes to going to heaven or hell when I ask people if they were to die today would they be in heaven or would they be in hell Sadly, but true, about 96% of the people that I've asked, the question is, I want to be in heaven, but I just don't know. I want to be chosen. I want to be that person that is in heaven with God for eternity because I don't want to go to hell. But then again, I hope so. I don't know. Today, church, we continue our series that we've entitled Christ in the Old Testament. And again, our prayer has been that we can see how this collection of books that we've called the Bible, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's a story of redemption, a reconciliation between a holy God and a sinful mankind through Jesus Christ. And today we continue our series. So you have your Bibles with you. Please open them up to Exodus chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 1. Exodus chapter 12. This chapter is known as the Passover. I think most of us are familiar with this term. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. But let me, let me, let me give, me, give you guys some context. Set the stage. Now we read in Genesis that Jacob, now known as Israel, takes 70 people into Egypt. 70. But as the years go, those 70 Israelites become about 3 million. A huge population. So the Egyptian people get a little nervous. And Pharaoh says, we must enslave them. They're going to overthrow us. 
So they become slaves. The Hebrew people, the Israelite people become slaves for 430 years. And throughout those years, we read that the Israelite people, God's chosen people, pray to God, please free us. And then you guys have heard of this guy, Moses, I believe. God chooses Moses, a prophet. And he tells Moses and his brother Aaron to go and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. But it's interesting, every time that Moses goes, we read that God hardens their hearts. Different sermon for a different time. Back and forth, let them go, they say no. So God says or sends ten plagues, ten plagues. The first three plagues, it affects all the people, Israelites and Egyptians. But the last seven only affect the Egyptian people. But the tenth plague, the tenth plague was known as the plague of death. Where God was going to execute judgment. He was going to send the angel of death. And every firstborn, whether of a creature or of a human, would die unless. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. First one, chapter 12 of Exodus. Then Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of the months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. What month is this? This month was known as Aviv. During the Babylonian, Babylonian exile. And in between that exile, they changed the name to Nisan. Not like the car, Nisan. I don't know why, but they just did it. And this month was during the spring. It's kind of like our March, April months. And God was saying, this is now a new beginning, a new year. But more important than that, God, for the first time, was establishing Israel, his people as a nation. From here on out, this is now the nation of Israel. A new beginning, a new nation, a chosen people, but now a nation was established. Verse 3, tell the congregation, all of it, all of Israel, that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. He's now going to give his people requirements of this lamb. Four things you will notice. Verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish, should be a male year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. In Hebrew, the original language, it reads, in between evenings. On the 10th day, they pick a lamb. Keep it for four days. And on the fourth day, the 14th day of that month, the new beginning, all of Israel will come out and sacrifice the lamb. He continues and gives more instruction to his people. Verse 7. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lentil of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not, do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it its head with its legs and its inner parts. 
They were to sacrifice the lamb on the 14th day, take the blood, put it on the doorpost and on the lintel. A lot of scholars, many scholars believe that if you would connect the blood, it makes the form of a cross. Now he's going to tell them how, how they are to eat this meal. Verse 10, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. What he's saying is, look, make yourself a cabrito, but don't have any leftovers. That's really what he's saying. Verse 11, in this manner you shall eat it. He's going to say four things you need to do. With your felt fastened, with your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. Why? It is the Lord's Passover. That's why you need to do these things. Two quick observations. First of all, notice whose Passover is it? It's the Lord's. This is what God is saying. This is my lamb. This is my Passover. By the way, let me just quickly mention this. That this festival, the festival of the Passover, it's, it's the most mentioned festival throughout the Bible. 50 times it is mentioned in the Old Testament. 27 times mentioned in the New Testament. The second observation I want us to make it, he says, eat it in haste. Eat it quickly. Hurry up. Put your sandals on. Have your belt. Have your stick ready to go. Why? See, church, the Israelite people were enslaved for 430 years and salvation was coming to them quickly. No time to waste. Tonight is the night. Now, he's going to talk about why these things need to be done. Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, he says, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. God's about to execute judgment. And if you did not, if you were not in the household that had the blood on the doorposts and on the lentils, you would not get passed over. Death to every firstborn would strike your he now gives one final command, verse 14. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. What I want us to do now for the remainder of our time is to go back and look at three specific things that we just read. Three specific things that we find in the Passover. And these are them. We're going to see a judgment. We're going to see a substitute. And we're going to see a sacrifice. Three things. Judgment, substitute, and sacrifice. Let's begin. A judgment. Now, when I say God, most of us think of love. Which is right. God is love. Most of us, when we think of God, we think that God is a loving God, right? He's a merciful God, right? But we tend to forget that he is a just God. God does not and did not turn a blind eye to sin. He dealt with sin the way he needed to deal with sin because he is a just God. So the first thing we're going to see here is a judgment. And it's a judgment against the gods, little g, of Egypt 
But it's also, it also should have been a judgment against his people, the Israelite people. Look with me at verse 12 again. It says this, for I will pass through the land of Egypt at night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. What God was saying, because during this time there were over 2,000 gods, little g, what God was saying was this, I am the only God. I am the only true God. And your so-called gods, they can't protect you. They cannot do anything about it because I am the Lord. I am Yahweh Mitroth. That's what God was saying. So he was judging the gods, but he's also judging Pharaoh. Why? Because Pharaoh was considered deity. He too was considered a god, and that's what he was saying. There's no other god but me. But I also say that it should have been a judgment against his people. Why do I say that? If you read further down in verse 23 of the same chapter, chapter 12 of Exodus, look what it says. For the Lord will pass through, this, through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You too needed to be judged. You know why I believe this? Because the Israelite people were also worshiping false gods. We read this in Joshua 24. Joshua's about to enter into the promised land with, a, with his people. Moses didn't make it. He's gone. He's dead. And before they enter, he says this, verse 14 of Joshua 24. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods. Put them away. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and only serve the Lord Yahweh. It should have been a judgment for the people as well. See, for 430 years, these Israelite people had been enslaved under the Egyptians. So they had picked up these bad habits, these bad traditions. And God was going to demonstrate to them as well that he is the only true God of all creation. But notice one thing, and this is so important. The only reason the Israelite people were passed over, it wasn't because they were Israelites. It wasn't because they were the chosen people. It wasn't because of that. The only reason they would be, they would be passed over was because of the blood, the blood of the lamb. Let me say this, church. Just because you say you're a Christian, just because you listen to worship music, just because you have a, a t-shirt that says John 3.16 or a tattoo, or you come to church every Sunday and are, are in a small group and give, just because you say you are who you say you are, does not mean you will not be passed over. The only reason any of us will be passed over is if we are covered by his blood, period. Which leads me to my second point. A substitute. A substitute. See, as an act of mercy, God provided a substitute for them. What was that substitute? A lamb. A lamb without blemish. A one-year-old male lamb. God has always required a lamb as a substitute. Why do I say that? 
As you look back in Genesis 3, when sin entered this world, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and sin came in through one man and spread throughout mankind, we read that they're ashamed. Adam and Eve are ashamed. They feel guilt. So what did they do? They covered themselves with fig trees. I imagine it was super itchy. Could you imagine? But God said, I'm going to provide a covering. I am going to provide animal skin for you. And most scholars believe that that sacrifice to provide the skin covering was a lamb. So God provided a lamb as a sacrifice to cover Adam and to cover Eve. But we just read now that God needed a lamb, a lamb to cover a household. So in the beginning, we see that God provides one sacrifice for each person, one for Adam, one for Eve. Here we read that we need one sacrifice per, per household, a lamb. And then later on, we hear about this day of atonement where the high priest would come and sacrifice a lamb, a sacrifice a lamb, and that would be sufficient for the nation. One lamb per person, one lamb per household, one lamb per nation, but the yet, the best the best was yet to come because we read in John 1.29, as John presents Jesus Christ in his ministry, he says this, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. One lamb per person, one lamb per household, one lamb per nation. But now in Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice, the true lamb was one lamb. For mankind. Isaiah 53 verse 7 says this. He was oppressed and he was aff afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he didn't say a word. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. Why? For Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Church, every single one of us, every single person on this earth will die one day. And every single person will one day be face to face with our maker. And on that day, if God were you, why should I let you into my kingdom? And our response would be, because I was a good person. Because my good deeds outweighed my bad deeds. God, because you, you know my heart. I'm not as bad as that guy, bad guy. Bad guy. I'm not as good as that other guy. But I'm pretty good, aren't I? If you respond in that manner, then you're going to hear the words that you don't ever want to hear. Depart from me. I never knew if you don't respond by saying, I should go into heaven with you because of the Lamb, you will not enter into eternity with God. We see a judgment. We see a substitute. And the last thing we're going to see is a sacrifice. See, notice God just, just doesn't require a Lamb. He requires a sacrifice. He requires blood. 
throughout this chapter we just read, chapter 12, we see blood everywhere. Take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, 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 blood is everywhere. Why? Why blood? Blood represents life. Blood represents life. And blood was needed for the forgiveness of sins. That's why. And that's why we read in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Blood was a sign that a life ended, a sacrifice for a life. That's why blood. And here, where we just read, the blood was a sign for both the Israelite people, but it was also a sign God. Again, verse 13, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. When the Israelites saw the blood on the doorpost, it would, they would be reminded of the sacrifice, the sacrifice of the lamb. They knew that they would be covered. That their punishment had been passed over. They knew that. It was a sign to them. Paul writes in Romans 3.24. And are justified. We are made right by his grace as a gift. It's freely given to anyone who trusts Jesus Christ. By his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation. is just a fancy word of saying a satisfactory sacrifice. By his blood to be received by faith. It's received only by faith, not by works. Church, you could never be good enough. It is received by trusting in your heart, in the sacrifice, the substitute of Jesus Christ. This was to show God's righteousness because in divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. But it was also a sign for God, the blood was. Why? Because he says, when I see it, when I see the blood, when I see the substitute, he knew that judgment had been taken care of by the lamb. Romans 3, 9, since therefore we have now been justified, again, made right by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. All of us have the wrath of God upon us unless, unless we trust in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Then we are passed over. See, when we see the cross, it should be a sign for us. The sacrifice that Jesus did on our behalf. Because when God looks down at the cross... When God looks down at anyone who's put their trust in Jesus Christ, he doesn't see the sinful people we are. He sees in whom we've trusted, his son. He sees the fact that we've been covered by the sacrifice of the ultimate perfect lamb, Jesus Christ. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We read in verse 14 that God gives one final command. 
verse 14 again. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. About 1,600 years later, Jesus Christ was celebrating this festival, the Feast of Passover. But this time, he wasn't celebrating in haste. He wasn't celebrating quickly. He was reclining on the floor with his beloved apostles. He was instituting a new covenant. What Jesus was about to tell them was the fact that he was going to be the true lamb. That Jesus is the true Passover. Jesus was going to take the punishment for their sin. Jesus was going to take the punishment for any of us who believe in him. You see, church, the Passover was a foreshadowing of the true Passover, the true sacrifice that was made on the cross, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I love what one commentator writes. He says this, as the blood of an animal was a means of deliverance and of escaping death, so Christ's blood is a means of redemption, redemption for all who believe. Here is how the Passover we just read is a foreshadowing of the true Passover. We see that the Israelite people were enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. And at this Passover, they were no longer being slaves. In the same manner, church, the moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we too are no longer enslaved, enslaved to sin. We've been freed from that captivity. Look what Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Why? So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. We also see that anyone who would put the blood of the Lamb on the doorposts, they would be passed over. The blood of the Lamb. In the same manner, when we are covered by his blood, the true lamb, Jesus Christ, we too are passed over. Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. What else do we see? How else is it a foreshadowing of our Passover, Jesus Christ? See, God told the Israelite people to eat this meal quickly. Why? Because salvation was going to come to them quickly. In the same manner, salvation was accomplished for you and for me quickly. Three days. See, Jesus Christ was crucified. He was hanging on the cross. And he took the last breath and he said, it was finished. And it was. But on the third day, he rose again. And salvation comes to us when we believe in Jesus Christ's death and his resurrection. Peter writes this in 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But more importantly, I believe the Israelite people trusted God. Trusted God for their salvation. 
God told them what to do, and they did it, and they trusted God for their salvation. And that's why they were passed over. In the same manner, church, we need to trust Jesus Christ for our salvation. Not to work at it, but accept it by his grace through our faith. Faith in who? In the John 3.18 says this, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The name of all names. Jesus Christ. So my question is, do you believe? Do you believe? I know if I were to go to the mall right now and ask, do you know God? Do you know what Jesus Christ did? The majority would say yes. But see, it's a head knowledge, I believe. Not a heart knowledge. I'm asking you, do you believe? Do you trust with your heart in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? As you walked in this morning, you were handed a little questionnaire. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to answer this question I'm about to ask truthfully. If you don't have one of those, if you didn't get one, the ushers are walking around. They'll be more than happy to hand you one. If you need a pen, raise your hand and the ushers will give you one. But here's all I'm asking is to answer this question truthfully. Don't be ashamed. Please. Let me also say this. It doesn't matter if you've been to Grace for a hundred years. Or this is your first time here. It doesn't matter if you're 10 years old or 100 years old. Answer this question. And here's the question. The most important question I believe anyone could ever ask you. If you were to die today. God forbid. If you were to die right now. Walking out of this building. Would you be in heaven? Answer truthfully. Don't be embarrassed. Your answer is 100% yes without a doubt, mark it. If your answer is I don't know or sometimes I feel like I am, sometimes I don't, I'm in, I'm out, mark it. If your answer is no, mark it. Whatever your answer is, please mark it down. We're not going to harass you. We're not going to be calling you. We just want to come alongside of you because church, this is the gospel. This is literally life and death. And I want to see everybody in eternity. I want to be sitting alongside you forever and ever. So please answer this question. One more thing. My prayer throughout this whole week was that the Holy Spirit really penetrate all of our hearts. Where either you've been a believer for a, all, most of your life. Or you just don't even know if you're a believer or not. That the Holy Spirit would move in our hearts. And that we would pray for each other. Pray for one another. And so there are deacons up here. There are several people throughout the campus. We're in Linears. Come and ask for prayer. If you have questions, whatever it is, just don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed to ask for prayer. And as you walk out, just drop your pens. Drop your little card with your answers, but please don't hesitate to do so. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your truths, for your words. 
know a lot of us have heard these words before. But Father, if if it be your will today, move. Have a different meaning to the hearts of those that don't truly understand. Father, I know the enemy right now is working as best he can, putting doubts in people's head. I'm not going to answer this. I'm going to get bothered. Why should I? How embarrassing. I rebuke that, Father. Move in the heart. Let us be a church that truly is proclaiming the good news, but not only that, coming alongside of people and, and just walking through what it means to have salvation. What the gospel is truly about. We want to be a church that honors you always, Father. Teaching truth because the truth sets us free. We thank you, Father, for the blood. The blood of your son, Jesus Christ. As we look at the cross, let it always be a reminder of the sacrifice of your son. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. I love you, church. God bless you guys.